Good morning. Happy 2024, right here in live, down in Bland, all the way down in Amped and out in Roan County and up in Bearden. We're glad to be together, one church together this weekend. May I be one of the many to have wished you a very happy and blessed new year. I hope 2024 is amazing for every one of us. I hope 2024 finds us individually and collectively resolved to follow Jesus like we've never done before. Can I get a big amen? That means we're in, we're on this thing. Hey, in December, we reminded you that the end of the year makes a big difference for our annual budget. And faithfully and consistently, as you've done in years past, you allowed us to step into 2020, 2024 on solid footing. So I want to say thank you on behalf of leadership and all the folks that represent Two Rivers Church. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your commitment when... Sometimes the weeks get tough, the months get hard to write that check or to, to make that deposit, and you've been faithful to your commitment to Two Rivers Church, and so we want to say thank you. And to those of you who call Two Rivers Church your church home, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to step in. We believe that giving is a vital part of what God's called us to do. If we're going to partner with a church, we're going to partner with a ministry that we're committed to, we ask you to consider thinking about how you might partner financially with Two Rivers Church going forward, that you could be a part of the movement that God's already called us to. There's a couple easy ways to do it. If you're relatively new and you've gotten on our Realm platform, there's an easy way to go onto Realm and actually move to a place of giving. If you're not on Realm yet, you can go to 2rc.tv give. In fact, if you have any question about anything, you can typically go to 2rc.tv anything, right? So you can go on to 2rc.tv give. And though we don't pass plates every week and we haven't sent envelopes to your home, let me just say, at the beginning of this year, not because we're in a desperate place, but because we believe it's where God's called you to be as a follower of Jesus. We, we believe that part of our worship, part of our worship is giving back to him. So I encourage you to think about that, to pray about that, and think how God might call you to partner in this next year. Our giving has everything to do with the vision and, the vision and mission that God's called us to as Two Rivers Church. It's tied completely into what we know God's called us to be about, not only this month, this year, but in the years ahead. And we're gonna find out, you can find out more about Two Rivers Church who we are, what we believe, what our vision is, what our mission is. If you're relatively new and you haven't been around for too long, you've probably not heard of a class called Wait In. Wait In, everything for the most part has a water theme around here. I hope you're catching that. But Wait In is an opportunity to kind of wait in. Just to, we're not telling you you have to be a part of us, but it's waiting in to decide if this is where God may have you to be. And so Wait In's coming up. I think it starts January 28th. There'll be a class on every one of our campuses. You can sign up for, for Wait In, be a part of that. I think it's a four-week class, bring you more clarity about what it looks like for you to be a part of Two Rivers Church, what it looks like for you to partner, who we are. Just kind of answer those questions. And let me just say this on the front end. If we're not the church for you, we get it. We're, we're not the only true church. If we're not the church for you, we know of a lot of great churches in the area that we'd love to point you to. We believe with all of our hearts that to, that to live the Christian life that God's called us to, we need to be in community with other people. We need to be involved in a local church. And so if you'll get in a wait in and you find out after a week or two, yeah, I, I don't think this is the place for me, we'll help you find a spot. I promise you that. There's some great churches in town. Speaking of other churches, Again, we don't, we don't believe we've got the special sauce. We don't believe that, hey, we're above everybody else and everybody else has just missed the boat. We really don't. In fact, we really do believe that um, God's called us to be a part of, of a movement and he's, he's doing an amazing work in and throughout not only the country and the world, but also in the greater Tennessee area, in the west, eastern Tennessee area in which we live where God's moving in profound ways and we're partnering with other churches. So we don't believe we're the only church that you should be considering, but, but we will say this, there's, a, there's some unique distinctives that, that actually set us apart, not above, but set us apart. 
We're gonna get to those a little bit this morning and I hope you'll be encouraged by those. We're a part of what we call the Big C Church. The Big C, meaning God's called us to be a part of a movement and part of the kingdom of God. As citizens, as followers of Jesus now, we're a part of the Big C Church. We wanna join in with what God's doing across our region and see people come to know and love and follow Jesus. So that's what we're about. We have a vision that God's laid on our hearts and I hope for some of you this is familiar and for those of you who are relatively new, hey, welcome to the team. Two of us church vision. We believe life is best lived rooted in a gospel-centered community. Together, we're actively pursuing God, experiencing the life-transforming power of the Holy Spirit, deepening our love for Jesus and for one another, and ensuring the gospel is made real to our neighbors in tangible ways. Folks, that's what we know that we're about. That's why we are here. That's why we know God's called us to be a church. What does this look like specifically in the years to come? We believe by 20. 32, that God's called us to envision each area of our nine-county region of more than one million people impacted by the transforming presence of Jesus through at least one gospel-centered initiative in each of those areas. That's a big goal. That's a big hope and desire on our part to see God transform the greater region of eastern Tennessee and the Knoxville area. We can't do it alone. We're partnering with other people, other ministries, other churches, and so that's who God's called us to be about. And again, for some of you, this is brand new information. I hope you'll start grabbing on and jumping in with the rest of us. But we know that God's called us with certainty. We know that God's called us to be a part of this transforming movement that he's doing in the region in which we live. Ultimately, it's all about making followers of Jesus. I hope that sounds familiar to you. We use that phrase a lot around here. We believe God's called us to make followers of Jesus, that people would fall in love and follow Jesus. And a follower of Jesus in the Bibles could be as simple as following Jesus, a disciple of Jesus. Those words can be used interchangeably, but we believe God's called us to make followers of Jesus. And here's the big idea for the weekend. You ready? You ready? You wanna own this thing? The big idea for the weekend is this. We each have a part to play in being and making word-dependent followers of Jesus. We each have a part to play in being and making word-dependent followers of Jesus. And it's this vision that we know God's given us compels us to engage not only personally, but collectively. Among all the hundreds of opportunities that you all represent, so many of you here and in, other, in our other venues are already plugged into so many spaces and places throughout the greater region of, of the areas in which we live, which is so encouraging because you have influence and webs of networks that we have as a church that are phenomenal. But among all those spaces and places that we already are connected in, at least a few times of the year, you'll hear this, and I hope you'll keep your ears open for this and jot it down in your calendar. You'll hear us invite you to what we call Serve Saturday. And Serve Saturday, I think it's gonna happen three times in 2024. Serve Saturday is an opportunity for us to, to gather together and to step into partnerships and relationships with people throughout the mass area in which we live to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And some of you have participated already in those and you've built relationships that are still ongoing, which is pretty cool. Three or four or five years into it now, we have relationships that are building and growing and evolving. And, and we know people today that we didn't know two years ago, three years ago, four years ago. God's been using that to, to continue to establish our influence in the community in which we live. And one of those organizations and ministries that we, we actually tripped into was Isaiah 117 House. We talked about this last fall. We, we, we were made aware that in the greater Tennessee area that there's a need, a deep need for, for those kids that are yanked out of their homes in the midst of some crisis that's taken place, placed in foster care before they can get into foster care into an adoptive home. There, there's these spaces where these kids were being left in cubicles and under tables because there was no space for them to be. 
And we, we, we encourage you this past fall to be a part of what Isaiah 117 asked this question. Remember this? What if there was a home? Doesn't that just ring still in your head? What if there was a home? What if there was a home for these kids to be in rather than being in this crisis place and being scared to death where people cared for them and loved them and showed them the, the hands and feet and the love of Christ? What if there was a home? Started with one home. Now there's dozens of homes all throughout Tennessee. And so we invited you as a church to be a part of participating in the next home. What if there was a home? What if we put the foundation of this next home in? And we asked them, what, what would it cost to put in the concrete foundation of the home and the driveway? And they said, well, 25 grand. So we told you and asked you, what if there was a home? And you gave not only 25 grand, but 70 grand. We're having a, a place of influence, and it's exciting. Yeah, it's really exciting. And the things that we're a part of that God's allowing us to do, we know people today we didn't know two years ago. And because of your investment, a lot of you are already moving further into these relationships. What if there's more I can do? What if there's more that I can be a part of? We've seen this happen. It, it, it's continuing to grow in and among us. Two years ago, during our Love Gives campaign as well, we, we came alongside and partnered with Riverside Coffee on the corner of the Harrison Lane campus. And they were asking the question, what, what, what are we gonna do with these kids, these families who have um, in, uh, disabilities in their families, families with disabilities, and, and kids that have, have actually aged out of the system? What are we gonna do? What, what, what and how might God use us in a, a subculture that, for the most part, went unseen? And you stepped in then too and helped them launch Riverside Coffee. It's, a, it's, an amazing, it's an amazing organization, it's an amazing opportunity for us to be hands and feet of Jesus in a part of the community we didn't know, a lot of us didn't know that it existed really or thought about even three or four years ago. And I see a lot of you over there patronizing, getting your coffee, getting your coffee and your biscuit or your donut or whatever and, and also you've been building relationships there. What a powerful opportunity for us to be what God's called us to be. Dividing and or establishing and developing these webs of influence in and throughout our community that God's called us to be a part of. These and other opportunities are just not good things that we do so we can say, yeah, churches should do good things, shouldn't they? They should. Churches should be aware of their community. Yes, absolutely. But for us to be aware of our community and to have an impact and an influence into our community is everything about our mission and about our vision. And I hope you hear this, maybe like you've never heard it before, but Two Rivers Church is committed to making gospel-centered, word-dependent, spirit-empowered, relationally-connected followers of Jesus. I hope, I hope you've heard that before, and if you haven't, I hope you'll get it on a t-shirt and, and own this thing. Two Rivers Church is committed, this is who we are, to making gospel-centered, word-dependent, spirit-empowered, and relationally-connected followers of Jesus. And you might say, well, that's just generic. Every church has got a mission statement. Every church has something that they say they're a part of it. It sounds familiar to what I've heard before. Well, let me point out a distinctive that I think is different. And again, we're not better, but this is uniquely different. This is why we exist, why we just don't close up shop and go down the street and be a part of another church. There's some distinctives about who we are as Two Rivers Church. I wanna be very clear about this. The distinctive of Two Rivers Church, I love our name, Two Rivers Church. Two Rivers Church is not because there's two bodies of water nearby. That's not the deal. They, they were more creative. They were more thoughtful than that. When we established Two Rivers Church 25 years ago, Two Rivers Church has everything to do with two of our core values, that we would be a people who are word-dependent and spirit-empowered. Word-dependent means we, we believe the book is how we're to live our lives, and, and spirit-empowered has everything to do about how the Spirit of God moves and acts in our lives to cause the book to be alive and well and activated in who we are. There are a lot of churches who fall in one camp or the other, word-dependent, word churches, or spirit-empowered. And, and, and here's where we fall. 
Smack dab in the middle. And not 50% here and 50% there. 100% word dependent, 100% spirit empowered. That's who we are. That's who we believe God's called us to be. And so if you're thinking about Two Rivers Church and, and partnering with us, I wanna tell you on the front end, that's where we are, that's where we stand. And as with church, we believe that the core of who we are, these core, four core values, have been given to us in scripture. We didn't just come up with these. These, these for us erupt out of the word itself, out of the scripture itself. And out of our four different core values, gospel-centered, word-dependent, spirit-empowered, and relationally connected to Jesus and each other, we, we drilled pretty hard down on, on all of those. And yet the one that we talked about this week that, that's probably drilled down on and assumed but not preached to is word-dependent. We're word-dependent people. We believe in the book. We believe in the, the word that God's given us. The book that God's given us, we're a word-dependent people. And in this series we're launching into this month, I hope, I hope you'll build a confidence. It's called confidence. And the reason that we've entitled it confidence is because I believe a lot of us lack confidence in terms of knowing what the scriptures are all about, where they came from, how we got them, how, how they have anything to do with how we live and breathe in everyday life. And so what we're hoping and praying this month is that you would build a confidence in the word of God, in the written word of God, that you'd, you'd grow in your understanding of who God is through his, his word and that the living word himself, Jesus, would move us into a new and a fresh place. And so this month, we're moving into a series entitled Confidence. And so this confidence that we believe that we're called to be in the word of God comes out of our core values. We're gonna drill a little harder down into the word-dependent piece. And you can get a lot of this on our website. But we believe word, being word-dependent that God has chosen to reveal himself to people through the word, through both the written word and the living word, Jesus. And we build our lives upon God's word. Our, our lives are built and based upon the word of God, both the written word and the living word. And we're gonna get a little more into the detail of this. Uh, I put it at the bottom of your bulletin on the back. If you look down at the fine print, I hope you'll sit in this, 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 um, this declaration that we have as a church, but it's who we believe God's called us to be. As followers, our lives are being transformed in his image. As followers of Jesus, our lives are being transformed in his image. To be dependent upon the word, we seek to understand what God has spoken through the scriptures by the illumination of the Holy Spirit. We then diligently apply what the Spirit has revealed to our individual lives. Our lives are built upon doing what Jesus says, not simply building an archive of information about, uh, of, what God, uh, of what God has said. To be word dependent is to believe in the authority the inerrancy and the sufficiency of the scriptures for life and practice under the power of the Holy Spirit. Being word dependent is inseparable from being spirit empowered. You cannot separate them. Being word dependent and being spirit empowered work together. Being spirit empowered is dependent upon being word dependent. It, it, it's the living word and the written word. So we gotta ask the question, what's the word of God? I've, I've already told you, this, this synopsis has, has told us exactly what the word of God is. The word of God is first and foremost a person. And, and what's his name? Say it louder. His name's Jesus. He's the living word. He's the living word of God. The author of Hebrews, at the very beginning of his, his letter to, to Hebrews, he, he, he says, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he's spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things and through whom also he created the world. The living word is Jesus. And he says, this living word, Jesus, spoke the world into existence. He created the world through him. 
John, in the opening part of his book, in the Gospel of John, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John makes it very clear that this living Word, the Word Jesus, was there at the beginning, and now is, is present. He's become man and dwelt among us. And, and this week, and live it out, on Monday, don't miss it, there's a really cool video from the Bible Project guys, and, and they put this video together describing what it means to be the living Word of God, how Jesus, from the very beginning, from the very foundation of the world was the living word and was speaking life into existence. And then John in chapter one, verse 14, he summarizes and he says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Well, that, that appeared in a lot of our Christmas cards last month. The word became flesh and dwelt among us and we've seen his glory. Glory is the only son from the father, full of grace and full of truth. The, the, living, the living God is a person to be followed. The living God is a person to be followed. The living word is a person to be followed, and his name is Jesus. And the way we know the living word, Jesus, is through what? It's through the written word. It's through his written word, the word that he's given us. We know the, the living word through the written, the written word. It's a collection of 66 books compiled together, uh, books that have been transcribed moved into language that we can continue to understand, but it's been protected and provided over the, over the centuries. We, we know the, the word of God. We know the, the, the living word of, of Jesus through the, the written word. And over these next few weeks, we're gonna unpack this even a little bit further. In the Old Testament, we're gonna look at the Old Testament, how we, how we got these books, and the New Testament as well. And, and, and I hope what you find and discover in our building our confidence in the word of God, the written word of God, is that you'd have a, a deeper grasp and understanding of Jesus himself. And at the bottom of Live It Out in your bulletin, if you didn't get a bulletin, you can get this online or grab a bulletin on your way out of all of our venues today. There's a, there's a QR code. And what we're hoping you'll do in this QR code is go to this QR code. If you have any questions about the Bible, New Testament, Old Testament, anything we're talking about this weekend, next weekend, the following weekend, if you've got any, any questions about this, you can go to this QR code Upload the form and fill out a question. And hopefully the last week, the 28th, the weekend of the 28th, we're gonna spend some time doing some Q&R, some questions and responses to the questions you have about the word of God. So I hope you'll do that. I hope you'll engage with us as we move through this in the next month. But if we're gonna confidently build our lives upon the word of God, if we're gonna confidently build our lives upon a foundation that's ours in the word of God, we gotta know, we gotta know it. You wouldn't go build a house without knowing what's below the ground. I told you before, I'm, I'm living in a relatively new neighborhood in the back end of a neighborhood, and we, I've driven past these two lots periodically, and man, they, they, they started to excavate this one lot, and there was like boulders in this lot the, the size of cars. It slowed the process way down. Man, they're just drilling and hitting it. You gotta know what's below the surface. Is there a, is there a rock below the surface? Is there a swamp below the surface? Below the surface of how we live our lives, how we walk out this Christian faith is the word of God, and we've gotta know it. We gotta know below the surface what it is. There's a guy by the name of Kevin DeYoung, and he wrote a book called Taking God at His Word. And he says this, what we believe and feel about the Word of God are absolutely crucial. If for no other reason, then they should mirror what we believe and feel about Jesus. What we think and feel about the Word of God has everything to do with how we think and feel about the living Word, Jesus. And so it should come as no surprise to you that we believe you, Two Rivers people, and I pray that you're Two Rivers folks, that, that you'd be a people who have a high regard for the word of God. 
And not just a high regard and a respect for it, but a high regard that actually transfers into daily living, that it would be something that you pick up in and throughout the week. It's something that you meditate on. It's something that you believe God has you to engage with as a part of your day-to-day life, that God would use us in that way. The scriptures call us to the scriptures. Have you noticed that? If you've been doing the live it out and you've been in the Psalms with us and Psalm 119, the, the scriptures actually point us to the scriptures. They call us to the word of God because there is where we're gonna find the life that we're looking for. All throughout the Old Testament, the New, the New Testament, I, I delight in your precepts. Your law gives me great joy. All those realities and truths of scripture call us to engage even further in the scriptures. No different than in the New Testament. It's a guy by the name of Peter. Spent some time with Jesus. He walked with him and talked with him a long life's narrow way. He had a relationship with Jesus. And Peter's getting toward the end of his life and he's, he's writing down some, some things. And I love, I don't, it, it shouldn't have more meaning, but it, to me it has a little bit more of a hit to it. This guy's getting toward the end of his life. And Jesus told him, I'm about to take you out. I don't know what that meant for him, but he says, let me write down some things to the, the, the followers of Jesus so that they won't, they won't miss this. And Peter, in 2 Peter Verse, chapter one, verses 12 and 15, he says this. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of the qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. What he's saying is, I know you know these things. I'm gonna remind you of the qualities that you have. I think it right as long as I'm in this body to stir you up by way of a reminder, since I know that putting off my body will, soon, will, be, will be soon, as the Lord Jesus Christ has made this clear to me. And I'll make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able at any time to recall these things. So here's what Peter's saying. He's writing to them. He goes, hey, even after I'm gone, I want to get this thing so far into your psyche that you're going to repeat this stuff because it's so drilled home into who you are. He says, I know you know this, but I'm going I'm to remind you of that. And I got great courage and delight in this. I'm one of these guys who hates redundancy. If you told me once, don't tell me again, it's offensive. And yet what Peter's saying, I've told you once, I've told you twice, and until I die, till my dying breath, I'm gonna tell you again. Why? Because you need to hear it. You need to hear it. And that's what he's saying to them. Peter says, I know you know this. But what he's calling them to and what he's describing for them is what following Jesus is all about and what, what looking like a follower of Jesus should entail for every one of us. And what he's saying is following Jesus is a pursuit of tenacious growth. It's a pursuit of tenacious growth that we would never be satisfied in our walk with Jesus and in our, in our following him. That, that a part of being a follower and now a disciple of Jesus, that I have a, a desire to grow in my walk with God. I'm not gonna ask you to raise your hands in this venue or any of our others, but who wants to get to the end of 24 and be just like you are today? I don't. I hope there's some growth, some movement in my life, in my relationship with God. And he's saying, this is, this is where he's calling us to. And I've said this repeatedly, age is not equivalent to maturity. Old people aren't just mature. They're just old. <laughs> they are. And there's some old people that are quite mature. There's some young people who are quite mature. This is the work that God's called us to. And we get there for sure in our maturity by the power of God. It's nothing we do that makes this happen on one hand. It's the power of God that meets us in this. But, but you gotta hear this, folks. It doesn't happen apart from my engagement and your engagement. God isn't just gonna grow you up. He doesn't just say, okay, you've decided to follow me. Let me back up the truck and give you a whole bunch of maturity. Good luck, have a great life. And he says, no, I want you to engage in this. And that's what Peter's calling them to. Hey, I want you to step into this. It doesn't happen apart from our being tied to and tethered to and our pursuit of the word of God. 
Last week, we were encouraged and live it out to, to memorize, think Psalm 119, verses 15 and 16. And I didn't get all the words down verbatim, but I got to a space in my, in my walk this past week. I got to a space in my, my work week this past week. I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday. We were encouraged to do that. And, and, and I think it was Wednesday. I literally came unglued. A lot of the old insecurities, the anxiety that I feel like I've kept at bay for the most part, um, just came up and, and sought to swallow me up again. It, it, it was as if no time had passed. And, and I was sitting there wrestling with all this stuff going on inside my psyche, in, in, in the very soul of who I am, going, why, why, is this still, why is this still getting after me? And my mind went back to what I was trying to memorize. And I didn't get every word verbatim, but I'll fix my eyes on your ways. I'll not forget your word. I'll fix my eyes on your ways, God. In the midst of what I'm facing right now, in the midst of what, what my narrative is telling me right now about me, I'm going to fix my eyes on your ways, not on my narrative, not on my ways. And driving home that day, I forgot that I'd actually prayed that in the middle of the day. And I thought, hey, the day ended better than I thought it would. I wish I could tell you the circumstance changed. Man, it was just amazing. Everything happened the way I wanted it to. The circumstance didn't get any better. In fact, it got a little bit worse. But my heart in it, my okayness in it, in walking with Jesus was in a different space. Tethered to the word of God. It's the word of God that, that speaks life into the very lives he's called us to live. And this is what Peter's getting at. He says, I want you to be dependent upon God's word. So what's he referring to? Let's get back to the beginning of, of his letter. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Simon Peter, a servant of the apostle, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. What he's saying there is, hey, we're all on equal, on equal standing. We've all been made right. We've all been made righteous with God. This is the apostle saying, hey, we're all in the same space in this. And here's his challenge to them, and I believe his prayer for them. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the what? In the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted us all things that pertain to life and godliness through what? The knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he's granted to us his precious and very great promises. There's the knowledge again, the promises of God, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Folks, he's saying, I want you to be tethered to the word. I want you to grow in your, in your grace and your understanding of who God is by the knowledge of who God is. We don't just say we're word dependent because it makes a nice slogan for us to be as a church. We say we're word dependent because word dependence leads to looking more and more like Jesus. It leads to looking more and more like Jesus. We have everything we need to look more and more like Jesus. And I don't know that we actually believe that. The word says it's true. The very spirit of God who resides within us. If you've given your life and your heart to Jesus, the spirit of Jesus himself lives within us and we have the power then to look more and more like Jesus. It almost feels... Um, sacrilegious to say we could be like Jesus, but that's what he's calling us to, to be more and more like Jesus. And the power that we find in that is in the very nature and the very person of the Holy Spirit within us. And again, folks, it's not possible to grow in your maturity and to look more and more like Jesus apart from the word of God. They're inseparable. One way we know that the Bible is from God is through experience. We know the Bible's from God. I hope you know this. I hope you think, well, this is... He's a preacher. He's supposed to tell me this book's good. No, this book's more than good. It's great. And one, one way we know that this is a real book, a, a living, active book where the, the, the living God speaks to us is through our own experiences. I, I hope if any of you have been a Christian for more than a month, you know that the word of God has spoken to you in ways that, that have been profound in your life. 
I began to develop a love for God um, early on in my life, but it wasn't until my late teens and early 20s that I really understood that this book had something to offer. It wasn't just something the preacher did on a weekend, and hopefully I'd get pieces of it along the way, but it was something that God wanted me to enjoy, something that God wanted me to discover and and to dig deeper in. And so I started to dig deeper. I found myself in a, a Bible study. I didn't even know what that was back in the 70s. I went to a Bible study, and they were actually looking at the Word of God and, and asking God to speak to them, and then how then shall we live? And I thought, that's a unique concept. And you might think, Mark, that's common sense. Maybe for you, but for me and my teens, it wasn't. There's directives there. There's precepts there that God was calling me to. And it was like lights were going off. I felt like, wow, did you know this was in the Bible? Did you know this was in the book? This is amazing. And I feel like God, day after day, month after month, year after year, continued to build in my heart a desire for the word of God where I was understanding more and more of who God was through his written word. It was profound. And and here's the reality. I've not arrived anywhere. In fact, the more I know about God, the more instruction I understand about God, the more I know that there's more to know about God and there's more to discover and, and to uncover in the word of God. And so if you're here today going, yeah, I've wrestled with this book, it's a lot. It is, it's a lot. It's a, it's a phenomenal book and yet there's more for us to grasp and understand and that can either intimidate you or encourage you. It can intimidate you or encourage you. Last Friday, just a couple days ago, Terry and I uh, have entered a wellness program. We're gonna be well in 2024. And uh, we had to go get our vitals done, so I stepped on a scale. Scales have come a long way since I bought a scale from Amazon. My scale, I step on it, tells me exactly what my weight is. This scale, on my bare feet, and I grabbed onto some handles, this thing told me everything about my body, my weight, my, my body index, my water index, how much my left leg, my left leg weighed, how much my right leg weighed, how much my torso was, where I was on the obesity scale. That's always a fun word to talk about, right? And, and I was standing there going, wow, this was like one of those come to Jesus moments. <laughs> Hope that's not sacrilegious, but everything was there. The, the facts were there. There's no denying what's going on inside. It's right there. And in this come to Jesus moment, I was okay with that. I thought, okay, I, I'm in a wellness program. I've signed up for something. I knew I wasn't completely well. I wouldn't have done the wellness program, right? So I'm in the right, I'm in the right place. But I looked over at the guy who was, who was giving me the test. Uh, he's pretty buff. You don't have an issue with those people, but he's pretty buff. And I thought, he looks like a guy who's maybe 25, 30. I said, how old are you, dude? And he goes, I'm 52 years old. I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> 52 years old? I didn't say it to him. I acted like I was all cool, but inside I'm like, ah, this is horrible. So I can either let this guy intimidate me because this is what he looks like. He didn't do it in an eight-week program. I'm guaranteed of that, right? I can either be intimidated, go home, and never go back, or I can be encouraged that, okay, I might never be this guy. Can't go back in age for sure, but, but how can I be more whole? How can I be more healthy? I can either let that intimidate me or encourage me to move forward and move on. And I tell you that story to prepare you for next week. You ready? Next week, Dave Grun's gonna be teaching. Dave Grun's gonna geek out. I mean geek out. The man, when he believes in something, you all have to believe it. About four years ago, all of y'all went out and bought new running shoes because Dave said these were the best running shoes you should ever own. And then two months later, he came back and said, no, these are the best running shoes you should ever own. And he's excited about that. He's excited about anything he finds and discovers. But here's one thing I know about Dave Grun. It's been consistent over the years that I've known him. There's nothing that excites him more than the word of God. There's nothing that excites him more than the Bible. Next week, he's gonna go faster than I'm speaking now. His voice is gonna go higher than he typically speaks. He's gonna go after it, and he's gonna geek out. Now, you can let this do one of two things for you. You can let this discourage you, 
man, this, no, this guy knows so much about the Bible. I know, I'm with him every week. He knows so much about the Bible. I'm thinking sometimes, I'm not even a believer compared to him. What's up with that? <laughs> he knows so much about the Bible and every time he gets excited about something, it moves him to something else he's excited about. Man, I'm still dealing with the first thing you offered me. So you can either let that discourage you and intimidate you or you can let it encourage you to move you forward and into a space where God has more for every one of us, no matter where you are on your faith journey that God would call us to a place in the word where we'd be tethered to it in a new and a fresh way. Peter goes on in his directives to believers and he says, for this reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and with virtue with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with steadfastness and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what he's saying here is that word dependence embraces the process of transformation. It embraces the process of, of, of transformation. He says, make every effort. God's gonna meet you in this, but he's not gonna make it happen for you. He says, I want you, as a follower of Jesus, to make every effort. Give all you got to this thing. Make every effort to engage, to grow in your understanding of who God is and to practice that thing out. It's imperative that we grow in our knowledge of God. It's imperative, imperative that we know more about the book that we've based our lives upon. And I gotta tell you, folks, it's gonna be exciting as we understand and grasp more of who God is and who he says he is. And as I've told you week before and week before that and a week before that, no one's gonna do this for you. No one's gonna make you grow. No one's gonna make you pick up the Bible. You know that, right? And here's, here's the other part of it is, and I hope this comes as a relief to some of you who think you've got this personal issue that only you have. You don't have just a personal issue. We all do. There's a resistance that all of us have to picking up the word of God. I don't care if you've been walking with Jesus your whole life. There's a resistance. There's something there still that, that, that makes me stop and, and, and almost pause before I go and grab the word of God. You would think people who are further along in their faith just can't wait and rush to the Bible. There's mornings where that takes place. But then there's these periods and these days and these chapters of our life where that's the last thing that we wanna do. There's a resistance that keeps us from actually engaging in God's word. It's a part of what we all wrestle with and struggle with. I remember when, when I experienced this in, a, in the most profound way decades ago. I was in a dark space. I would even say I, I was wrestling with depression but didn't know it at the time. Discouraged, destitute. I'd finished seminary. I'd turned down a great job at a church. I thought God would provide something better for me. And so I, I thought that would happen. It didn't happen. I moved to Arizona, started waiting tables. My life was going nowhere. Not that waiting tables is a bad job, but no, it wasn't what God had called me to do. And I remember taking my Bible and going, I, I don't know if this thing's real. And I remember putting it on a shelf, on the shelf next to my bed. And I remember actually getting some other information, it, it, became, it began to be something that was moved further and further down on the shelf. And one day I thought, I gotta decide if I'm either gonna follow God or not. This is a person who's seminary trained, thought, thought God had called him to ministry and go, I don't know, I don't know what's up. And so I remember one day I thought, and, and part of it was spite in my mind and my heart, God, I'm gonna give you one last, one last try at this. Like I was gonna challenge God, right? I'm gonna go out on a picnic table in the backyard in Arizona heat and I'm gonna read this thing until you, until you actually respond to me. And I thought that day God would come through in a powerful and profound way. He did not. For weeks, weeks, months, I went out on that picnic table day in and day out and I felt nothing. I felt nothing. I felt like God was completely done with me. And I don't know if it was the power of God or tenacity on my part. I just kept showing up out there at that picnic table. 
And one day, it was almost like a burning bush experience. I'm not kidding you. In my memory, it was almost like fire was, was spinning out from the word of God. It felt like everything that was, un, that was bound up was unleashed. It was released in me. And I felt like God met me in a profound way. There was a movement that happened in my life because of the word of God out there at a picnic table in the heat of the day, months and months, where God finally broke through. And here's, here's what I walk away with from that. There's, there's days where that's the last thing I want to do, but, I, but I've learned sometimes the last thing I want to do, the very thing that I find the hardest thing for myself to do is the very thing I know I need to do to walk forward in, in, in maturity and, and, and to pursue a maturity and a dependency on Christ. There's a resolve that Peter calls us to. There's a resolve that, that, that has to come, must come from you and from me as we pursue Jesus. And Peter says, that's our part to play. That's our part to play as we engage in the work that God's called us to. And he presents the alternative to moving forward. And here's the result of not embracing, not being tethered to the word of God. He says in verses nine through 11, for whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he's blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent. Do you hear the plea? Be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you'll never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He says, be diligent about this. Because if you're not, there, there's, a, there's a potential that you'll fall. And I hope within you, what's, what God has developed in me, there's a healthy fear I'm afraid where I would be if I wasn't tethered to the word of God. And there's days where I go and I, I feel like I'm not tied there, I'm not really connected, and I feel like there's something missing, there's something lacking. I don't feel like I have what I need to make it through the day. There's a tethering that takes place. And if we're not tethered to the word of God, if we're not tethered to not only the written word of God, but to the living word of God, we have the ability to become nearsighted and fall off the rails. There's a few men in my life who've had profound influence. I'm gonna tell you the dark side first. There's, there's two guys in my life, one at the very beginning of my walk with Jesus and one even in this past year. These guys know the Bible. They're men who I wanted to look like and follow and emulate as they follow Jesus. And yet, they could quote chapter and verse and yet both have tanked their lives completely. And why have they done that? It's not that they didn't know Jesus. Why have they done that? They, they've become nearsighted. They've become blinded blinded by their own sin, blinded by their own desires, making choices that have not only tanked their lives, but the lives of people around them. I know by the grace of God, there go I. There go I, there go you. God's called us to be tethered. God's told, called us to be connected to the word of God. Why? So that, so that we won't fall, that we won't fail. The word of God has life for us. And just as these two guys have, have made an impact on my life, there's another guy, <laughs> I know I mentioned him a whole lot around here. He turned 100 last week. My dad turned 100 years old last week. Yeah, not just turned 100, but like completely there with it, gets it, had a good time. 20 of us showed up and surprised him. It was like, you know, Groundhog Day. Oh, it's my birthday again. That's 100. He's 100 years old. And my dad's grown in his faith. He's a man who kept faith so quiet, so personal in his life. And yet over the years has, has found a love and an appreciation for the word of God. And now in his latest years, he's not been able to quote chapter and verse like maybe he once could. But here's what he says over and over. I can't get out of a conversation without my dad saying these three words. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. He may not be able to quote chapter and verse, but he's still tied to the living word, Jesus over the long haul, and that's what Peter's getting at here. He says, 
For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of the Lord, the Savior Jesus Christ, that you'd finish well, that you'd walk in, having being a, being a person word dependent. Word dependence builds confidence in Jesus and in following him. Word dependence builds a confidence in Jesus and then in following him. The life Peter calls us to was not just to be a head knowledge. There's a lot of people who know a lot of things about the Bible. People seated all around you in the spaces you're in today. Some people know a whole lot about the Bible, but it's not just knowing a whole lot about the Bible, but knowing a whole lot. If you know what the word know means in the scriptures, it's very intimate, very intimate, very personal. Knowing isn't just factual. Knowing is experiencing something that's real, that's, that's alive, that's a part of your world and part of your life. And how do we know the Bible? How do we know that we even know the Bible? Well, it gets practiced. It gets played out among other people. Jesus said, hey, the world will know you belong to me by what? By the way you love one another. You can say, hey, I know I'm called to love Jesus and other people until you get around other people, right? That's well, hard to love these people. Some of you just survived a holiday. Man, they went home. Thank you, Jesus, right? Right? But, but truth is, that's how we know we love each other. That's how we practice what we say we know to be true about God and what he's called us to be with each other. It's in community, God's called us to live this thing out. When, when God called Peter, let's use him as an example since he's written some, some, some of the scripture we've looked at today. When God called Peter, he didn't just, there wasn't this massive space where it was just Jesus and Peter. If you've seen a movie, you've watched The Chosen, you've read the scriptures, you know, there was this massive movement that God was a part of. He said, Peter, come, come follow me, come follow me. He was being called to a community, called to a people. We've been called to a community. We've been called to a people. The way we live out the word of God, the way the word of God continues to stir in me and stir in you is as we have conversations about the word of God with each other. It's in community. Is it messy? Absolutely. And yet is it where we find life, where we find growth? I have learned so much from so many of you in conversations with you over the last 10 years. I am not the man I was 10 years ago in large part due to your involvement in my life. And I hope you could say that about people in your life. That's where God's called us to. And part of being true of his church, we know that life gets lived out in community. I hope you've passed a group's tent or a group's table on your way into one of our venues this morning. Hey, groups are signing up. They're getting ready to start up for, for in, in, a Jan, in January for our winter series. I hope if you've never been a part of a community where you've actually allowed somebody to get to know you a little bit, where you've had conversations about the word of God, that's what we do at groups. That's what we do. We, we talk about the, the, the word of God and we, we, we ask Jesus, how might this have an effect in how we live, not only with each other, but in the lives that you've called us to live? I hope more than ever before, as you start 2024, if you wanna grow and, and move toward maturity in your walk with God, it's not gonna happen apart from the word of God and it's not gonna happen apart from the rest of us. You're stuck with us. We invite you to be a part of that. We each have a part in being and making word-dependent followers of Jesus. We each have a part in that. You got a part to play for you, and you have a part and responsibility to the rest of us that we would be growing and maturing in our walk with Jesus. Following Jesus was never meant to be a solo gig, never meant to go alone. It was something we were called to do together as the church. So I hope I've, I've, I've whet your appetite a little bit if you're, if you're relatively new that you'd sign up for waiting. This is who we are. This is who Two Rivers is. We're people who are gospel-centered, word-dependent, spirit-empowered and relationally connected to Jesus and to each other, and we know that that's who God's called us to do. And at the end of each of our weekend services, we offer next steps. It's not just because that's a great way to close. It's because we want to entice you to take what you've learned and what you've wrestled with in the scriptures into the end of this week. And so we want to offer you a couple next steps. As a church, we've been reading and praying through Psalm 119. It's in the live it out part of your bulletin or online. You can check it out. 
We've been reading and praying through Psalm 119. I hope you'll join us. I hope you'll get involved in, in reading through the, the, the Psalm that we've been spending this month in. The second thing I ask you to do is to invest. Invest in a Bible. My friend Danny would say, get you a Bible. Get you a Bible. And get you a Bible that, that, that not is like this special Bible that you can't touch. And you, you have to make sure you polish it when you're done. Or you make some big doily thing to wrap around. Get you a Bible you can play in. Get you a Bible you can write in. That you can put arrows in and underline things. And hey, this word happened here. This word happened here. Draw arrows through your pages. Write questions in the margins of your Bible. Get you a Bible that you can actually allow God to, to, to move in a, in a way that maybe you've never thought of before. God wants to speak to you, and he's speaking to you through his living word, through his written word. Get you a Bible. And tagging on, get you in the community. If you're walking this thing alone, don't walk alone. Like it or not, you need us. We need you. We want to grow in our faith. We want you to grow in your faith. We want to be all that God's called us to be, individually and collectively. Two Rivers Church. And we can't be anything together that we're not alone. And so I'm gonna pray a prayer for you from Psalm 119, 33 through 40. I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads. And at the end of this prayer, if this is your heart's desire, I'm gonna invite you to say amen. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I'll keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. Turn away the reproach that I dread for your rules are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. In your righteousness, give me life. If this is your prayer, would you respond with amen? Amen. Now, across all our venues and, and all our campuses, let's stand and, and give praise to the living word, Jesus himself. I invite you to stand.